Hello there and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. I hope you enjoy this extract from one of our classic live episodes recorded at the Soho Theatre with Laura Whitmore and Roisin Conaty to hear the full hour-long interview and more deep-dive chats with each of them individually and hundreds of the greatest Irish people ever to have lived and left our shores, along with our other series such as Irishman in America with Marion McKeown, our true crime series, Irishman Behind Bars, and lots, lots more. Simply sign up for premium Irishman Abroad over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. It only takes a minute. There's no obligation. You can cancel anytime you like. And for less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to everything. And you can walk around with a spring in your step knowing that you helped this series survive and thrive and grow through these difficult times. Our chosen charity partner, as always, is Jigsaw.ie. Jigsaw are a charity for youth mental health that's very close to my heart. They work really hard to provide young people in Ireland with the mental health skills they're going to need to survive in life. And obviously, since the pandemic, they've seen a massive jump in demand for their services, a 400% jump, in fact. Uh, Their one-to-ones and their group services have continued online uh, using their phone line, their webinars and their brand new website, jigsaw.ie. They're making a huge difference across all communities back home in Ireland. Why not take a couple of minutes to visit them and see if maybe they can help you or someone in your life or maybe you can help them through a small monthly donation. That's jigsaw.ie, the chosen charity partner of an Irishman abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Thank you. Thank you, guys. And welcome to the first ever live Irishman abroad here at Soho Theatre. This is a very special night. And to join me on stage, will you please give a very special welcome to our guests, Roisin Conaty and Laura Whitmore. Hello. I, I've often never understood why they do the fake handshake when they walk back out, <laughs> despite having spent half an hour together before. But well, now I, I fully get it. Yeah. It does. It feels weird if I just go hmm, and sit down. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, 
I guess the reason we put this together was because of the turning point that's happening in our culture between the interaction between men and women. And as someone who exists in the entertainment industry, I'm really conscious of it. Uh, when people say that this Me Too movement is changing things, have you noticed a change? What changes do you see? And does it change how you behave? Wow. <laughs> Pico don't, first. Don't fuck about, Jarlis. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got a 60 minutes Ooh. in here, so okay. we kind um, of get straight down to it. I feel like I need a lawyer. Can we get um, a spotlight? <laughs> get a spotlight on Roshi now. Um... <laughs> I think it is changing and I think it's changing we're in the middle of it a sort of a shift in consciousness I think so it's hard to say where everything's going to land yet because we're still I think it's still happening you know we're still in the storm I think there's lots of conversations that wouldn't have happened before that we're you know even this you know mm. asking us about our experiences I think there's a lot of pushback <laughs> you know a lot of um, privileges uh, a lot of white privileged men feel very angry about it you know that they feel you've seen that yeah, I feel, you know, people, in, they can intellectualize it, but it's about them, you know, sort of saying, you know, it's, we're exaggerating or, you know, it's all, it's all equal. It's all been sorted. You see with equal pay. It's all like, oh, there's a hint of like, it's all been sorted. You're banging on about it all the time, you know, a tiredness to trying to, trying to sort of make people feel drained from it. Like, oh God, there's that, I think as and well. You, and do you witness that face to face or are you seeing that online? Both. I've really? had a, yeah, not a lot face to face because I don't, you know, surround myself with arseholes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they want to be pretty brave. Um, but I, um, I've seen online, you know, but, I, but in saying that, there's a lot of positive stuff. I've seen, you know, people, you know, sort of uh, looking at stuff that maybe they wouldn't have looked at before through different ways. People wanting to learn and wanting mm. to, you know, understand what, why representation is important. Um, for instance, in my job, you know, and I know that's not strictly, that's not me too, which is much, you know, much more serious, I would say. Um, but it all comes under the same uh, thing, I think. Can I say, Laura, backstage, we mentioned, and specifically Roshin mentioned, that women are going through a Rolodex of their memories. Yes, we were talking about that as well. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, as a woman, you put up with in the past and didn't really think about because it just became so ingrained. With, well, that's life. You know, mm. you walk. we talked about this. You walk home at night, someone might try and attack me. You better have someone walk home with me. We, that's You just never let a woman walk home by herself. But you don't really think about why because you're afraid of constantly being attacked. Yeah. Mm. And it's only now you kind of think on... That, that's a bit ridiculous. That's a bit shit. Mm. Like that's the way we. But that's the way we've been always. And it's only now I think with this that we're, as you said, the Rolodex are going back, going. Actually, all of that crap that I've had to deal with the whole time, that's not okay. Yeah. So your earliest memory of being told, because Tina said this to me during the week, that she can remember getting used to it at thirteen walking to school and normalizing herself to the notion that well, these builders are going to say what they're going to say. And I'm totally shocked by that. And I know that there's other guys that are like, what the fuck? Like, not, not, not then. No, it was then. Was it the same for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know for me it was. I remember like when I was 16 having like my first waitressing job. And, but actually something had happened to my mom when she was 18 where guys had tried to put her in a, in a van, basically. But she got away from it. But so that was always in my head being like, I was scared of white fans, like for that very reason, which now I look back going, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But that's why I just constantly, you'd see a van going, oh, I hope. but that was just life. Yeah. That was just the way, and you'd almost think going, stupid me, if I walk down a, a dark alley by myself, I better take the long way around. But that was just life. And it's only now going, 
like why have we put up why have why has that been and i only realized talking to actually the men in my life realizing they didn't grow up that way mm. they had other things to deal with but they didn't have that particular situation no. that we had i had a we had the police come to our school and uh sort of talk us how to deal with a potential attacker uh, so one of the things we were, t- and I've always had, and even now it's always, so <laughs> I've done this quite a lot. I'm laughing, I laugh and I'm nervous. Um, but um, which was uh, that if you feel someone's walking, this is years and years ago, so this is not advice I'm recommending. It's just what I remember being told. And I'm, a, you know, I was about 11 or 12, so it might not be bang on point. Um, <laughs> but um, so there was like, if someone's walking behind, if someone's following you, the only thing they have, this is a policeman telling you, you know, when I went to an all girls school, we're listening like, how do we survive life? Uh, and it was like, if they're, following you the only thing they have is that they choose the time when they're going to attack you that's the only thing they have so the best thing for you to do is to turn around and to walk towards them because you throw their choices because they'll they'll know when they're going to do it also like not having your hair in a ponytail like we were told this at school this was like a thing that I I remember like I went to I remember went to a convent and we were playing hockey and we just have streakers come through the convent quite a lot I, I, I'm from Bray, if anyone knows Bray. But I, I remember we were told this by the um, by one of our, by our geography teacher to if someone came near you to kick them between the legs because that was the most vulnerable spot and it was on this. That's what we were told. But I was just now I look back on jeez like we were told that yeah, yeah. There, was the no, there was no plan for preventing the street no yeah. but rather this is what we do yeah. when they when arrive when they come yeah but I still I mean, do that now the walking towards me if, I, if someone walks behind me for too long often I'm like and just start walking, <laughs> walking the other direction always it's always my and I'm, I'm laughing at it but it's, it's not you know it's, it's very serious when you, you know when you think about it that terror and I've done that I'd say twice in the last year I've walked into a, fa- a, a, a door that wasn't my house and knocked on the door and like someone's come to the door and I was like hey Jim you know because yeah, you live there, yeah. Uh, yeah because yeah. some of this guy you know whether he was or he wasn't it's what I you know I, I'm pretty sure he was um, and I you know but it's the fear that you have and I just don't think that that's something you sort of we've just always grown up with you just always know that there's it's dodgy you know stuff like that and then that's the, the worst scale you know so before we get to you you guys talking out about it because as I mentioned in my emails to you before this that I do want to talk about the response you've had to your interaction with the world on it and the pushback, as you say. I want to ask, though, if you hold out hope for change, because, like you say, there are the men who are going, oh, God, this this is nonsense. But I, I like to live in an optimism that there are like-minded men to me who think, got it, bunch of stuff I wasn't aware of that I now need to call out when I see it. Are you optimistic that that can happen? And am I going about it the right way when I say, now my job is to stop misogynists in my vicinity? Even just doing this here now, the fact we're talking about it, this really wasn't a conversation that we had. Or no. if, if we had, it was to a larger scale. You know, you, you talk about really severe cases. But even day to day, like, I don't know how many women are in this audience, but how many women, how many women here at some stage have felt threatened walking home at night? Most women, would I write? Yeah. And it's just the way we didn't talk about that because it was accepted. We talk about the bigger cases. But it's now looking at the whole, the routine kind of abuse of women in some ways. And we're talking about it now. And I think people are more aware of it. And I think men, like like yourself, yeah. like people in my life are more aware of it and how it has affected me. But there's a cliched joke that a bunch of comics used to do of trying to make women feel safe in that situation by trying to overtake them on the sidewalk. 
and then ultimately chasing them down the road, right? <laughs> and that's a kind of a hacky yeah. joke now. Yeah. But I am at a loss sometimes as to, well, what am I meant to do? So if I'm a guy listening to this, what do you see as the things that you just wish those guys would just start doing? We can go. We know what they're not. I think it's meant such do. a. I don't think it's. I, I think individuals. Obviously, it's be aware and you know, kind of you know, understand that women are always. We've got a narrative going on in our head, but it's a cultural problem. It's not. I don't think it's. That's sort of what we always say. Rape culture. There's a huge cultural problem about representation of women. How we're seen. How we're viewed. How you know, and that you know leads into then us being seen as sex objects or you know or you know things to you know. I mean, I, I don't want to speak uh, in. I don't know all of the things why women are attacked you know like I don't have all of the answers about that why men who do that do that I don't you know there's there's a you know you'd have to ask someone with <laughs> a brain um, but you know I feel like there's a huge I do think there's cultural things that we can how we talk about women how we look at women how we discuss women how we see women on television you know there are things this isn't necessarily going to stop that but I think that's you know that is part of the same thing there's a, a how we how we view women and, and and how we treat them like you know you know there was there's cases you know rape cases you know recently around the world um where you you know how people view women affects how they treat women you know it doesn't you don't just become a rapist or an attack do you know what I mean that's, that's a university you know it's a culture it's how you see women how you talk about women how you you know and that's the thing i think so raise my a family member of mine um is her little boy uh, and he's playing with dolls and it was so beautiful because he's not been raised to see that dolls are bad or that they're less than or that women are shit you know he's just like these are great look at them yeah they're much better looking than all the they're much more sparkly and fun yeah, and yeah. that's you know only recently and I've seen that quite a lot is that if you raise boys to not think that women are less than or undeserving or you know then I, that's the only thing I've got I don't have the answers you know men need to look at themselves I think and work out their own uh, issues with women and not all men are bad, uh, you know, are going to attack women in the street, but their men still have, you know, maybe other issues with women about how they see them. And it's that whole thing as well, you know, like just how guys grow up as well. You were saying, you know, I don't know, I'm not a man, but you're, you're brought up to be, you're a man, you know. And I remember, like, I had two younger brothers. I didn't play sports except hockey really badly until the streaker came by. <laughs> and th but then my brothers, like, they had to play sports because mm. that's, they had to do the manly thing. And then there's this whole you know, just from watching them, you know, they kind of had to be, my brother, like I remember falling over when he was playing football and, and started crying and then kind of being embarrassed by the other boys for, you know, for crying or, or being upset. And then this whole kind of culture of like lad banter and like, I'm a man. And I think some, from that as kind mm. of, you know, derogatory terms about women has kind of spurred from that. So I think it's, you know, you're right. It, it starts from like a young age and it starts from, you know, I do think it's, it's nurture is, is a huge part of it as well. Yeah, like I guess I've, I've gone into this before about trying to raise Mikey to be a feminist and how I, now people ask me how are you doing that and on a daily basis it's it's basically you're not you're not actively designing a, a life for him as a feminist you're just calling it out when you see it like when he says to me this morning there's a girls football league <laughs> more lads want football than girls why is this and you call it out on the spot yeah and say no 
there's actually millions upon millions of girls. You, the girls in your school aren't being encouraged to play it enough. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my tuppence there. But right? even as women, we have internalized misogyny. We were raised in this culture. We were soaked in it. You know. So it's not a case of just men. Like, and obviously, you know, we're not attacking women. But there is still our own like, our own self uh, self worth and our own belief systems. You know, we I constantly have to challenge myself and be you know how I ask for things and you know because I was right you know. I was raised in a patriarchy you know you don't so you learn new things every day you're learning stuff about how you want to be in the world but you you know it is is part we are also part of the culture that we so women you know so it's a thing that we all have to do and be like hang on a minute not just on ourselves but how we judge other women how mm. you know you know how we talk about other women and how that you just really don't realize it's sort of subconscious that you've learned that how to speak about women that way or judge women really harshly if there's one woman there you know all your eyes go to her and, and everyone talk and it's a thing you become aware of when it happens to you you go like God we do you know that is a thing I used to you know do I think one of the shifts that I recognize and I think your show Game Face was part of it for me right is that Game Face (laughs) had so much subtlety to it and so much of it was about it is not black and white there aren't just this type of person and this type of person and Marcella wasn't uh, what she appeared on the surface at the beginning when you're going into writing Game Face, was that Thanks, a goal mate. for it? You were so lovely about the show. Thank you. Um, it was. I felt uh, it was. And, you know, I wanted to write a 3D person. And I felt that was really important because that's what I like to watch. It wasn't really, you know, I just felt like it's much more interesting to watch people that... You, you know, most of us are half arsehole, half decent, you know, on any given day, you know, everyone's someone's arsehole, you know, um, and so <laughs> that's just, you know, and that's the roles we have. We have to all play our roles sometimes, you know, that's sort of, we, we, you know, and I felt like that's, that's what I wanted to write. I wanted to write yeah. someone that was believable. Like Roisin, your stand up was your thing up to that point mm. and you were pushing in some ways like when we when we as people reach for the thing that we think we want that we wouldn't really say to people but secretly I'd love to have my own <laughs> six parts sitcom I mean it's risky you put yourself out there in a way that uh, makes yourself vulnerable and you did the exact same thing Laura when pursuing acting when going no I'm not just this thing that you have me pigeonholed people love a box at. don't they they do they're like you spend your whole life like filming, filling in like sheets and stuff going which one are you tick 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 and I think we all do it like you know, even when you meet someone what do you do who are you I need to have this vision in my head of what you are and I think it's it's great to challenge that all the time you know and you've done that and you've done that you know but how hard was that for, for e- both of you I'll put Shit the question hard. to both of you because yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, when when you start, you're obviously privately training away. You're taking courses on. Well, I your did own it before time. I even exactly. got the MTV job. You know, that's that. You know, I, I have a degree in journalism, and I went. But my, my background was drama, and that's what I was. But then suddenly you get this is my issue and my problem, and I have to deal with what will people think. Yeah. You know, and that's always in the back of my head for everything I do, a new show or, or anything, any new project is what will people think of me? And who are you thinking? Like, I know who I'm thinking of when I go, yeah. what will the, the people Who are they? Think? I don't know who they are and why I give a shit about them because everyone around me is great and supportive. But it is, is that thing in the back of your your mind, the, the greater mass, that the mm. people who like, who are on, you know, hide behind computers and, and God forbid you do anything that's not the norm. Yeah, with a football, pro, with a football flag for their profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave. <laughs> Oh, get out of you here. know Dave as well. Yeah. God, oh, always Dave. 
Hate me. Um, so much of uh, the acting, though, but for both of you, I, I always find it really odd whenever I find myself being asked to act a thing, how little direction actually is there. That there is someone going, this is the thing, you've yeah. written the lines in your case, but ultimately you are kind of slung into it and told, do your thing with it. Does that terror dissipate over time or are you the whole time going fuck now I've got to I've got to be this character you know as a comic like I didn't go to a drama school I did film at uni um, but I, I, I do I do uh, I mean yeah I think it's very difficult to change gears but I think it's you know important to try all the stuff you want to try and not be held back like you told me backstage you haven't done stand-up in a year. Mm. Uh, Laura, you went on tour with this show for a full year and immersed yourself in that. Was was that a point of kind of uh, like a detox from everything? I, I said to you, it was like rehab. But I think because I've, because I was, you know, you know, living in London or like traveling around and, you know, what, when you do stuff on TV, it's very different. Like people are watching you and everyone has an opinion and it's quite full on. And you kind of get in this little bubble, like, you know, you're just kind of sucked in. It's like a roller coaster. And then you kind of go away from that. And it's probably more exposing. It's more stripped back, like being on stage every night. But there's something quite therapeutic in it as well. Because um, you have this, you know, this cast that become your family and, you know, you're away from your own family. So these people become your best mates and, you know, your best mates for life um, for a lot of them. But yeah, I found it quite therapeutic because I was away from the hustle and the bustle and the million other things when, you know, I don't know how many people are from London, but you live in London. There's like a million things going on every night and you just you don't stop and reflect ever. Mm. And that's probably the first time I did one job for such amount of time because yeah. normally you do 50 million jobs or anything else you can squeeze in in the morning or in the evening and you're doing so much I was like I'm just doing one job here consistently and you form these intense relationships on set like you know if you you know like yeah. or, or an actor or you know kind of because you're with them all the time I haven't done a tour but like even on set every day for six yeah. weeks to the same people you're best mate you do have yeah you sort of have that it does feel sort of like your brain you sort of go well, I had a different life once I think and you just, <laughs> just, just remember just those people, these people all the time yeah. yeah but there's something lovely in that too that's just like that's just being a human as well how no matter what job you do and you know whatever job you have that you just it's so important to have those relationships human relationships with people this thing that you're describing of kind of that unity among the gang and that sense of it's kind of like going away to summer camp in some ways yeah. is and I'm sorry to bring it back to this is what some people say has produced the behaviors that have come out of that mm. that sense of oh well you know we're all we're all at the Gwailtucht sorry mm. to use a really Irish example of <laughs> you've dragged them into it yeah. <laughs> of all the people to drag into it good summer is such good summer it's good memories Irish college as most people here will know <laughs> is a place where the rules go out the window in many ways it, am I right in saying that 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 kind of uh, Stockholm syndrome that you develop in a set situation can lead to behaviour sexual or otherwise I'm talking about temper tantrums people throwing the toys out of the pram because they've been separated from what is real life mm -hmm. and that normally things that happen in your daily life don't push you over the edge this way but because you're in this extreme on this situation. project and it is your project in your case Roshin it's like it's your neck on the line so when it's going south did you throw some toys out of the pram I guess that's kind of did where you? I'm going yeah. with this uh, did you did, did you, you ever get? have I mean, a where did the girl tot go <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it um, 
I am Gail Um I don't think I did. I it's very hard. I think there's a lot of a lot in that question. I think there's sometimes those sort of like you say, getting away from it used to be very male, you know. So I think there's a lot of the more senior you get in any profession, they the women sort of so you have lots of males on top. That's what you have. So they have groups away and you go, Oh, it's the board or it's the blah blah, it's the golf and you go, Oh, it's you must well say men, men, men. And I think any group that is all men with power uh, for a long time I think it's just not healthy and I think it can it, it's just not great for um, probably moving things forward in terms of attitudes to women because they only women are always below them in the profession yeah so that's so I think if you go away I think being on set I think if you're in a position where i if you're about power maybe I think you're asking I think it is stressful I didn't throw my toys at the pram I think there's a I think it's sort of the opposite a bit with women sometimes I think it's you're judged harsher mm. and you can always feel that like sort of like whereas I can watch men ask for something and it's like of course of course yes sir of course the man wants a thing you know and uh, and, and then I'll be like oh I'm not really sure about that They're like oh really you know and it's I feel yeah. like I had to not like with my show but in previous you know in certain I think sometimes you I feel like you have to be aware of of asking for things because there's a there's a real thing that like women are divas women yeah. are bit you know it's yeah, just a men thing. have a process yeah she's a prima donna yeah totally so are you have you seen it at all and are you more understanding of it now that you've been the person who's who's I think any woman who has become successful in my field or in any sort of I can only speak of the fields I know entertainment field or any field actually I would say I would say there are people that would say things about her they wouldn't say about a man they would judge behavior that she that you know that if she was forthright if she said this is how it has to be if she you know that they would that behavior would be judged as a personality flaw rather than someone who knew how to get the job done in the time that they had to get it done and I think that's just the that's the difference we have you know with how we treat men and women and it's changing and I you know I did on my show I had lots of other female producer so you know I surrounded a really great director it was a, a lot you know and that was on purpose you know to make sure that but there is a, a and a really great cast and but I you do feel it even as a woman that's what I'm saying I feel it I'm like sorry excuse me uh sorry sorry you know like it's that and I feel like I just want to and you lose 10 minutes sort of trying to make sure that you've said all the polite things by going I um, you know like I don't want to do this this mm. way you know and then you watch a man they go hey sorry no this isn't right and no one feels like you know he's horrible with women we're, ju- we're just I feel like we constantly feel like we're being judged in a different way to men I had a situation in a particular job where it was, it was a guy in this particular job who was just kind of just being a little bit arsy to me, but I didn't really know why. And it took me a while to figure it out and he found out. Now, I had a bigger role in this particular job, but I was getting paid more money than him. And he knew, yeah, he knew this. I didn't know that he knew because obviously yeah. it was, you know, confidential and, you know, it's up to yourself to fight for what you think you're worth. But, you know, people sometimes don't know what the other person's being paid and, and he found out whatever way he did how much I was getting paid and it kind of came down to it one day I was like what's your problem and it came down to the money thing so he, he told you there and then it's pretty the much yeah wow and I was like I do have a kind of a bigger role in this but I was younger than him and I was female you know something that's connected to this which is self-doubt and struggling with self-doubt and I, I'm sure that the Irish people in this audience who we've established are 99% have have this lingering sense of I'm no good 
I'm not. Who am I to be doing that? Sure, why would I get that? Or, or, or is it God forbid you, you know you're too big for your boots? So look yeah, at her yeah. now, Jesus. Yeah, far from that, she yeah. was raised. What, what <laughs> will people think? Roisin, most recently I heard you talk about it, the self-doubt and overcoming your self-doubt. What, what, what were turning points for you in terms of that? Because you must surely at this point, there must be, tell me that there is, there is a greater self-belief at the end of that. Or is it just something we're saddled with? No. <laughs> You know, I have that thing of of a kind of I'm, I'm not very, I'm ter- you know I think we've all got it a bit you know of that um, I'm terrible I'm rubbish everything I do is terrible I'm rubbish everyone's going to find out I'm rubbish and then a part of me that's like I think I'm really good actually um, <laughs> and that's my head and that's what it's like to live you know I have moments and those moments of but I think the main I think what, the way I would do it, it's quite bleak how I have this is how I get to. <laughs> talk myself into sitting down and writing two pages I have to go like one day I'll be dead no one will care um, <laughs> so if we start from there <laughs> it's actually not the worst though no you go like, it's time's fine. a waste totally I go no one cares and I feel like I want to have a big life and not like successful famous but experience different things I've always thought that if I wanted to travel or do mm. I don't want to be in the middle I don't want to do things where I sort of just don't do a lot but I feel like it's I've got as I've got older I've learned to you know accept that the fear isn't going to go anywhere and if you wait for that to go if you wait for permission no one's coming to tell you there it is that's just the beginning to hear almost 60 minutes more of this conversation and hundreds more full-length irish man abroad episodes and shows join us on patreon.com forward slash irish man abroad help support the creation and continuation of this series for years to come. For less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to all our episodes, shows, live events. And for a limited time only, everyone who signs up in the first two weeks of August will get my brand new stand-up comedy special, Notions 11, shot by my favourite director, Mike Donnelly, in Vicker Street in March 2020. That's hundreds of hours of entertainment, inspiration and laughter for less than the price of one of your fancy coffees over at patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. I want to say thanks to my ultrasound producer, as always, Brian Connolly, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. And finally, to our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw. Jigsaw.ie are a youth mental health charity that is changing and saving lives across all communities back in Ireland. Now, more than ever, they could do with your support. Go to jigsaw.ie to see their great work, get some help with the young people in your life, or maybe... Through a donation, you can help them.